This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Jeff Merrick Show. Matt Marchese in for Jeff. Jeff will be back on Monday. He is currently getting a suntan in Florida. We get windburn here in the city of Toronto. Jeff's going to get a suntan. Lucky guy, that Jeff Merrick, as we await Elliot Friedman. Leafs and Bruins tonight. You can watch that one on Sportsnet. Uh, the Hurricanes and the Sabres is the other game tonight, and that also going to be a ton of fun to watch. Talked about the Hurricanes earlier. I mean, if there is ever a matchup where you pit a great defensive team against a very good offensive team, that would be the one. As we are joined on the line by Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Okay, Friedge. So you change the time on me, and then you're late. How does that work? What are you talking about? It's <laughs> 101. Yeah, that's I'm late. The, you know what time the no, 1 o'clock hit started? At 1 o'clock. No, 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 no. You get 25 minutes, man. You start it at 12.05 to 12.30, and you can pick 101 to 126. Are you are you really starting this way with me, Marquise? No. You're lucky. I, you're lucky I come on at all. I know. I, Elliot, listen. I have to give you some shots so that people understand that we have a good relationship. Not it's always <laughs> Elliot giving me the shots, and I'm some sort of punching bag. I have to fight back at least a little bit. You know that is that. true. You have to, you have to stand up for yourself. That is true. Okay, so I wanted to get to something here because to me this is very interesting and. Um, for other people, I'm assuming they will find this interesting as well. So Bally Sports is having some financial issues. And yeah. uh, last time that I checked, um, Bally Sports has a lot of broadcast rights in the NHL. Um, yeah. I don't know how much further we can go with what you had in your 32 Thoughts blog, um, but where do, where does this thing kind of go from here? Like if they do end up filing for, like they're not paying interest payments and, and things are getting kind of dicey, what ends up happening and what is the potential ramifications for the salary cap in the NHL? Well, that's the $55 billion question. That's a lot of Not billions. The, yeah, because that's how much money they own in uh, sports rights. And uh, it's not just the NHL, I, I should say. It's, uh, there's also the uh, MLB and there's also NBA teams um, that have uh, contracts with Valley Sports. I I listed all the NHL teams that have it. I, I can't remember how many it is. It's something like 12. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, 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 but I'll say this, like, as I've written and as I've said on the pod before, um, uh, Matt, it's, it's been described to me as, as the biggest sports story that nobody's really paying attention to. And, um, you know, as someone said to me, I think it's hard to say exactly what I think it's hard to say exactly what the effect are going to be, but people are worried what it could be. And that's kind of where we are. Like um, as Bloomberg reported sometime this month, they're going to, it appears they're going to miss a $140 million interest payment. Um, and it's kind of everybody's guess what's going to happen. I mean, there's, there's some concerns they might stop paying uh, for for the rights they owe. There's some concerns they might say, look, if you want to, we're going to go into bankruptcy and you can either kind of rework your deals with us or you can get nothing. And I think all of these leagues right now are trying to get a handle on it and see what is this going to mean. But, like, you know, the, the one thing I kind of joked about in there is that 
one thing about the commissioner is he, he rarely admits that anything is wrong, right? So, um, you know, like I think he's probably going to say that I have a plan or we're going to figure it out, and I hope that's the case because I do know there are some teams. Like I actually heard this morning, I think there's one team in the state that just did a new deal starting this year, which gave them a re uh, like a nice cash infusion, and now they're kind of wondering about what it's all going to mean. So. It's a challenge. There's, there's, there's no question about that. How I don't know the inner workings of the CBA. You know it better than I. But how much of the the TV rights, like that's a that's a big part of the revenue that the league brings oh, yeah. in. Like how much, like could this be? I guess what I'm asking is, is there a potential for this to be catastrophic for this league, more so than um, other leagues? Well, you know, Merrick tried to push me down this road and last Friday's podcast and. I just said, look, I I don't want to go the five alarm blaze. Oh, that's fun. Uh, yeah, I know. Like like I said, people are concerned. Um, you know, I I sent a couple notes, and you know, I said, could there be cap ramifications? And they said potentially. And the answers I got were potentially yes, but we really don't know. And so, look, I mean, if 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 a bunch of teams and a bunch of sports are not getting like regional rights are a big deal, and. Um, you know, like someone sent me some figures from Major League Baseball. The Anaheim Angels, I think, have between now and I think it's 2031 or 33, they have a, they, like Bally's owes them like $130 million. Like that's, that, that's, that's big numbers. And so absolutely in a sport where the salary cap is tied into HRR, it could be a problem. But I don't think anybody you know, really knows exactly what the answer is. The answer, I guess I could say, could there be ramifications? Yes. Are people worried there could be ramifications? Yes. But do we know how serious those are and will that happen for sure? The answer is no. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joining Matt Marchese here on the Jeff Merrick Show. Okay, so the Horvat deal was discussed at length yesterday, so we don't need to go in-depth with that. But I guess my my follow-up to that deal specifically is how many more teams do you believe are trying to get deals done earlier? Because you, like you mentioned LA and Rob Blake's MO is let me get this deal done earlier rather than wait to the deadline. I know mm-hmm. that, I know that Brian Burke's philosophy, uh, the president of hockey ops for the penguins is I don't like to wait till deadline because that's where a lot of people make big mistakes. Is there a sense for you that there's a maybe not a lot of deals in the works, but teams are really trying to get business done earlier rather than later because there's a lot of maybe hoops to jump through to make things work with the salary cap. There's, there's a big difference, Matt, between wanting to do it and also recognizing, can you do it? Right. And I think that's the biggest question that everybody's asking is, is, can you do it? Um, you know, I, I, do I think teams would love to get business done early? Yeah, absolutely, I think they do. But I'm not convinced that everybody can. And and that's the problem that we've got here is that um, so many of these teams are so tight to the cap and so many of these teams are in LTIR that, you you know, you can't do things. If you if you take a look at the Islanders, they, they had to include Beauvillier and they had to have – uh, Vancouver take uh, 25% of Horvat's salary to make it all work. So, uh, again, like, 
I think people would love to do deals early. I'm just, I just don't know how many people are going to be in position to do deals early. Well, I guess, I guess my, I guess my point in all that was like, if I need to move player X to team Y so that I can bring in player Z to make this deal work, like, is that part of the thinking here? Like if they have to shuffle some things around, they're going to need more time essentially. Well, yeah. And I think that I think teams are willing to try things. I think you're also willing I mean, you're also going to see teams that are going to be willing to pay to uh, pay other teams to act as brokers. Like, like I think if, if, if we get a Patrick King trade or we get a Jonathan Taze trade, um, you know, these teams are pro- someone's probably going to have to do it, act as the as the middleman. And so you have to pay, you know, those teams as well. I mean, these, <laughs> these deals are are big challenges. They they aren't going to be easy for a lot of people. So if you, if there's any sort of, so we could see uh, more three team trades essentially than we've seen in the past, just to make deals get done. Right. It's possible. I, I, I wouldn't guarantee it, but I think for some of the bigger cap hits, like I think when it comes, <coughs> excuse me, when it comes to Kane and Taves, I think we've been kind of expecting that to happen. Yes. Right. Uh, okay. So on Chicago, since we're there, um, we know that that Patrick Kane and, and Jonathan Taves are at least on the table. Um, what do you think the market looks like for guys like Jake McCabe, Jack Johnson, and Andreas Athanasiu? Well, I, I think there is interest in some of those players, and, uh, and Sam Lafferty, which you mentioned in your thirty-two thoughts. So I should well, put that Sam out. Lafferty is a guy whose name I've heard actually quite a bit, to be honest. Um, so I, I think there's. I mean, Lafferty is is signed through next year. I think 1.15. I, I, I think there's quite a bit of interest in Sam Lafferty. Um, and last year they traded Brandon Hagel, who turned out to be uh, a really good player for uh, the uh, Lightning. So, uh, like, like I, I think Chicago. Like, but the thing is, I think there's a lot of guys uh, out there who maybe are not the biggest game, names, but fill great roles. Like in St. Louis, like I've heard Nolachari's name quite a bit, and I've heard. Uh, Ivan Barbashev's name quite a bit in, in addition to, for example, like an O'Reilly or a Tarasenko. So I, I think there's a number of players out there who are good, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> good fits. Um, and, and I think it's going to come down to um, a, you know, how much cap room you have available B who's the player you want and you know what that price is comparable to other similar players. I think, I think you're going to see a lot of wrangling that way. Like one of the things I do think is I think this could turn out to be a buyer's market, where some of these teams are going to say, "Look, if I think you're unreasonable, I think this player on this other team who plays a similar role and has a similar salary, you know, we could do that instead." And I think teams are trying to trying to use that. How much of an unwillingness do you think there are among teams that maybe, okay, so a team like Edmonton, for example, they they look like they're going to be a playoff team, but there's also a chance that they don't get in. Like what, what is the appetite for teams like that to move first round picks? And, and is that maybe why it could be a buyer's market as well? Just because teams are, are they want to get rid of players, but they're going to get rid of them at whatever the cost is because they don't want sunk costs. Well, I, I think that that's the whole poker game, Matt. Like, that, that's how this works. Like, you play poker. 
you you think, okay, that guy really wants to get rid of that person, so I'm going to squeeze them a bit, and the the uh, the team the seller is going to say, well, this GM is playing hardball with me. Do I think he's going to come around? Like I think that's all part of it. I, I don't think there are a lot of teams that want to give up uh, top picks this year or first rounders this year. Like you look at the deal the Islanders just made. They have the option to keep, to keep it or give it to Vancouver if it's a top 12 pick. So I don't think a lot of teams want to give up first-rounders this year. It's, it's seen as a pretty good draft. Um, Detroit. So I just had a conversation with Jimmy Murphy, and the name that he brought up, and not that he had heard anything, but it was a guy that may intrigue a team like the Bruins, uh, depending mm-hmm. on how contract negotiations go, and that's Dylan Larkin. Now, the, yep. nothing comes out of Detroit. We know that um, mm-hmm. Steve Eiserman is like the new Lou Lamorello. Nothing's going to get out of that front office. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any sense of, of how negotiations are going or if they're going at all? And, and if they don't have any sort of... Um, progressive talks that maybe Dylan Larkin could be one of those surprise guys that gets moved at the deadline. Well, I, I think this, first of all, Dylan Larkin has a no trade clause. And so, so Dylan Larkin has say over this. <laughs> That's the one thing you have to remember. Number two, I had heard last summer that when Dylan Larkin, uh, that before his no trade click kicked in, that Detroit was going to trade Larkin if they didn't think they could sign him. And that didn't happen. So when it went down like that, I believe that ultimately Larkin would resign with the Red Wings because the Red Wings believe they can get it done. I, you, as you said, Lamorella, or I call Eisenman <laughs> Lamorella light. It's true, though. Uh, although he might be Lamorella hard the way things are going right now. But, um, you know, it's hard to get information out of Iserman. There's, there's no question about that. It's really hard to get information out of him. But the information that we are getting is that it's at a standstill. And the thing about Steve Iserman is he gets to a point and he doesn't go past the point. Ask Steven Stamkos. It's a perfect example. He says, this is what our value is and this is where we're going. And, you know, again, this could change at any time. It could change with one phone call. But I believe right now that Larkin and the Red Wings are at a stalemate. And then everybody here is going to have a decision to make. And one of the decisions is, you know, does Larkin, does does Iserman go to Larkin? Does he go to Larkin in in the next month and say, look, like, we're not going to get a deal done here. Do you want to go somewhere else? Or does everybody take the chance that this could still happen after the season? But I think the one thing you have to do is you have to know who you're dealing with. And, and the one thing about Eiserman is he gets to a point and he doesn't go past that point. And if we were close, I think we'd be hearing it or it would be done. And it doesn't sound like it. So I, 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 like to me, in a lot of ways, the ball is in Larkin's court. Number one, he can decide if he wants to sign or not. Number two, he has control over a trade because he's got the no trade clause. So I think a lot of what's going to happen over the next month is on is is going to be his decision. Now I understand why Jimmy would say Boston. It, it makes sense to me, and here's why: I, I think Boston was looking at Horvat, and I think Boston was looking at Horvat because they know that their years of 
Bergeron and Krejci are coming to a close. And it only makes sense that you would want to do that. And if Boston would look at Horvat, I don't see, I don't see any reason they wouldn't look at Larkin. Well, he fits, right? And, and the, yeah. the one thing that, that Jimmy did point out was, like, this is not an easy task for for Don Sweeney because, listen, we don't know what's going to happen with Bergeron next year. We don't know what's going to happen with Krejci next year. I even posed the the option of, I wonder if Bergeron retires but Krejci returns because he doesn't have to rely on his speed. There's It doesn't matter if he's fast or slow because he's never been a fast player. He's just very cerebral when he plays. And I wonder if the season that he's having, even if they have a deep run or whatever, makes him look and go, you know what? I can still do this. Well, it may. I mean, all of the all of this is legitimate that you're saying. I think that if you're Boston, you're running the organization, you know that even if one or two or or neither of them comes back next year, you know that you're you have to find another top center, and those are hard things to find. Um, you know, one way or the other. It's coming to an end with Bergeron and Krejci, whether it's this year, next year, or two years. Like, long-term, it's not what you're going to be doing. So when a bull Horvat becomes available, you look into it, and I think they did. And when, and when a Dylan Larkin potentially becomes available, you look into it, and I'm sure they will. Uh, another player on Detroit that I, I thought there's – a, there's a couple of players that I've kind of pinpointed as – who I believe would be good fits for the Maple Leafs, especially in that second line left wing role. Um, the two that I've kind of pointed out, uh, one is James Van Riemsdyk, if they can make the money work with the Flyers, because there is familiarity there with the player in the organization, albeit it was a different regime, but still. And the yeah. other guy, which they've expressed interest in before, at least that's what has been reported, um, and by you, is Tyler Bertuzzi. Where do you think that? Where do you think the interest level is in both of those guys? I mean, I guess Timo Meyer is top of top of mind for the Leafs if they can make it work. But where do those guys kind of fall in as well? You know, it's funny. I was asking somebody about Tyler Bertuzzi yesterday, and what they said to me is, it is a very complicated thing from a uh, Canadian team's perspective. You know. For, like he's still not vaccinated, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look, like I'm going to Florida later today for the All-Star game. If you look, you can't go into the States if you're not vaccinated. Well, you can, but you have to go through, like, the, I don't know what the rules are anymore, but it's not easy. Like, it's not like just you can walk in there, right? So I think right now he's on a, I don't know how it all works. But, you know, right now he's on a U.S. work visa, I believe. And so you can kind of go back and forth. If he gets traded to a Canadian team, like someone was saying to me, that could get really complicated. And, and a Canadian team better have an answer. Like, I think you're right. I think the Leafs have, have liked Bertuzzi in the past. Um, you know, he's injured right now. It sounds like he's got some kind of like groin injury or something like that. So number one, you've got to make sure he's healthy and that's not a lingering thing. Like if you look at the Red Wings lately, they've been very careful with him, which is a wise move. But, you know, someone on a Canadian team was telling me the other day, you've got to make sure you know what you're dealing with here. So I, I, I think that's actually a really, I didn't even think about it because I just don't think about these things much anymore. But I, I thought it was a really fair thing to bring up. Like, 
Like if you can't bring them back and forth into the States, you know, that's going to get you somewhere. So I, I think that would have to be cleared up first before I, I would know anything about Bertuzzi. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk, well, he's definitely out there. Um, you know, I think there's some teams looking at him. It wouldn't surprise me if Calgary was looking at him, for example. Um, but I, I, I think that, you know, I, I, I think the Maple Leafs are looking for somebody who can complement their current core very well. Uh, if you look at it and you say, you know, Van Riemsdyk, he's a fit for that, then I could see him being on their radar. But I haven't uh, heard his name with Toronto. It doesn't mean anything. They're, they're pretty good at being secretive, too. But I think if they were in it, they'd have to get moving because I think Philly is, is getting to the short strokes with Van Riemsdyk. And I, and I do think Calgary potentially is one of the teams. So if you had to, if you had to handicap, because I know you're a betting man, um, if you had to I handicap am. the the Canadian team to make the biggest splash, who would you say is the front runner? Well, I, I think I think there's different ways of looking at it here, right? Because I think I think Vancouver has already made the biggest splash. Sorry, I mean contenders. Not, Sorry, con- I okay. should have pressed contenders to make yeah. a splash. Like, like I don't know that there's anybody in in Canada that's going to make a bigger trade than Vancouver just did. I mean, I hope so. It's exciting, but I'm not sure anybody's going to make a bigger trade than Vancouver just did. I, you know what? Um, I, I think it's going to be like I think it's going to be Toronto or Winnipeg. Um, like I think I think Edmonton's going to add, but I think it's going to be more for a fit. Uh, I think Calgary, like I said, I think they've got some interest in Van Riemsdyk. I think that's the kind of player that they add. So I think Toronto or Winnipeg is probably that team. And with and with Winnipeg, what like I mean, when I look at that team, I think their forwards are pretty good, but I think they could probably use a defenseman, especially the way that Josh Morrissey's playing right now, just to add a complimentary piece to, to them. Yeah. Do you think it's a forward or do you think it's a defenseman or do you think it's just a combination of both? Uh, I like, I like, I don't think they need like top level forwards. No, they need to round I out think, that bottom six. Yeah. But the thing is though, the one thing about the Jets is they like term, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't like rentals. I mean, they've done it before they did it with Kevin Hayes. Uh, they did it with Paul Stastny, although Stastny really liked his time there. Um, they like guys who they think they'll be able to keep. So that's the one thing. And still, and we also still don't know for sure about Dubois' future. So when I look at Winnipeg, I say I think they could make a bigger deal if they know they can keep someone. That's, that's kind of the way that they go about their business. So they're not trading for Timo Meyer, is what you just told me. Well, you can keep Timo Meyer. <laughs> well, you can, you yeah, because you have the QO at ten million. But but also, but it's not only that. Like 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 it's I, we've been pretty uh, honest in reporting about this. I think the Sharks have made it known that if they got a deal that they like or you're progressing in a way they like, you're going to be able to talk to them. And the thing I think about Timo Meyer is is that if he if he likes the idea of where he's going and he thinks that team's a good team, I think he's going to be willing to talk extension with them. So. I think it comes down to if you're allowed to talk to somebody, what does he say to you? Well, I'll quickly before we let you go then, what do you think an extension for Meyer looks like? I know it depends on the team. Like if he goes, I know you mentioned if he goes to a team like New Jersey, like there's a limit that they're willing to go to. And that limit is probably Jack Hughes. Um, or in that area. Or in that area. So I'm, are we looking at an eight times eight or eight times nine for a guy I like would, Meyer? I, I, I would think so. Like I... 
Like, I, I think it's got to be in that range, yeah? Okay. Eight times eight to nine-ish. But I don't know. That's just my opinion. Now, is there... Do you think a Meyer deal is like it gets done? I mean, it's so hard to say. I know that the market is just so volatile right now, but do you think that is a deal that gets done sooner rather than later? Or do you think San Jose is just going to say, listen, we're going to wait for even a couple more weeks and, and we'll see what our best offers are? Because I have this feeling that if teams have put together an offer, they've probably given their best offer already. For what? For Meyer. I don't know about that. Just I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this. The one thing that Vancouver showed the other day is that, like, I, I've heard, like, um, like, like, I've heard the argument, like, the day, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the day shop it. And, you know, sometimes teams shop it and sometimes they don't. Sometimes teams are right about that and sometimes they're wrong. But the one thing is when, when you know a player's available, like the one I think a team did kind of screw up was was Boston with Joe Thornton. Like mm. they did not shop that one, and, and that one came kind of out of nowhere. Um, but you know, like Bo Horvat, his name was out there. Like everybody knew Bo Horvat was probably getting traded. On some level, I sit there and I say, if you didn't, if you weren't serious and you didn't gauge the seriousness of the Canucks, that's a little bit on you. Yeah. Now, you can always argue and say, well, like we just made an opening offer. They never got back to us. That's something else. But I think you had to be aware, knowing Jim Rutherford's history and knowing that Bull Horvat was an unrestricted free agent, that if you were serious, they could have done it at any time. Yeah, and I, at the end of the day, that, that may have been the best offer that was on the table. And, and they made the deal. And, and, I mean, we're not going to find out tomorrow if it was a good deal, but we'll find out in a few years if it is. Uh, Elliot, you made it right to yeah. 26. You did such a great job. We did 25 minutes, and you made it to 26. I well, can't... you know, I just I just wanted to add something else just uh, to pick up for my notes there because I want to sure. give you a couple bonus minutes, Marquesi. Ooh, I like I it. Know you want, I know you want to spend more more with more time with me. Of course. So tomorrow is the um, is the executive committee's meeting. Yep. Uh, for the um, for the players' association, whoever this other contender is, and I wrote like it's there's been a lot of misinformation there. I've been I was I was kind of gaslit a little bit, and very skilled, very very skillfully. But whoever this other person is, and uh, I believe it's somebody who's got a history in labor, and potentially in the U.S. political world of labor. Um, that's the person that we should be focusing on here, I think. You'd think that Steve Eiserman was running the, the NHLPA committee with the information that's coming out right now. Well, the, the thing is, like, the, the thing is this one is they've done a very good job of keeping it quiet. But as, as I started to get <laughs> more information last weekend, like, there were people who were telling me that my information was wrong and they had me doubting myself. And I think the idea that there was a person in the U.S. labor slash political world who was a very serious candidate, I think that's very, very true. And that might end up being potentially the person. Well, we know it's not Jimmy. I guess we'll find out. We know it's not Jimmy Hoffa. So that one we can put to rest. That's good. That's good, Marzi. Uh, uh, Marquesi. Anybody who's got a complaint with that, 
That's M Marchese at sportsnet.ca. <laughs> That's not my email, but thank you for throwing that out. Well, there. just say it out there. <laughs> yeah, we'll throw it out there. Uh, listen, Freed, uh, safe travels today to Florida. Uh, enjoy. Uh, stay away from Merrick for as long as you possibly can. And oh, that's uh, not going to be hard. And, yeah. uh, and we'll see if your schedule allows you to join us on the program tomorrow. All right. Take care, bud. All right, buddy. See you, see you later. There he goes, Elliot Friedman, Hockey Night in Canada, and 32 Thoughts.